Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, people, you know that sound. It is the Unfiltered Band, another episode of Unfiltered, episode 71 with my guy Jason Stark. You can jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution at Casey Stern, get in the Twitter bio, and jump on the YouTube channel. Listen, of course, Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts. As uh, from uh, the Athletic, host of uh, the Starkville Pod, which is fantastic, and uh, and I mean this, and I've, I've said this to you over the years before, but I respect as much as anybody in the league in terms of uh, not just the knowledge, but the humility in which he carries himself. So, no pressure. How are you, sir? <laughs> Case, thank you, my friend. That's so kind of you to say. I am doing great. Tell me how you're doing. I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Good. I was saying this to you beforehand. It's it's great to just be back talking sports. So, uh, you know, it's it, we don't we don't have this is not a real job, right? So, like, we get a chance to <laughs> to talk about baseball, and and you know, it, it's funny because we work in a game that changes all the time in a lot of ways, and a lot of it reactionary over the years to where people have been upset about that. I think about now the continued conversation about the catcher rule. We still don't understand going back to like cousins Posey before we even get into, you know, your latest piece, which is amazing on things. I had no idea even existed <laughs> relating to like the, 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 I didn't know there was going to be a dateline episode or 2020 on infield dirt. Um, I thought these changes were great. I, I I don't love all the reasoning for why you have to have them. I wish hitters would have done all the things we all say from our couches. Hey, they, you know, figure it out. But for me, I think in moving forward in the entertainment of the game, which I think is where it needs to go, I actually really this time enjoyed where the changes I think are headed. What was your initial take on what we're expecting now in 2023 and beyond? Yeah, I think you said the magic word, entertainment. Uh, that's what this is about. Uh, all this is designed to make baseball more entertaining because I, I think you and I agree that the thinking in the game now is incredible. Like, I'm blown away by how people think inside baseball and the stuff they think of. But I, I think it's been clear for years that the things that make for great baseball strategy have not made for great entertainment strategy and that's what this is designed to do uh the pitch clock 15 seconds with nobody on 20 seconds with runners on base is going to change the game it's going to change the world it's the single most impactful rule change since the dh if you watch these minor league games if you look at the data from the minor league games it's amazing uh minor league games take 26 minutes less this year than they did last year and Strikeout rate is down. Um, there's as much action, if not more, in less time. Sign me up for that. I don't think that the, sh the shift rules are going to do what people think they're going to do, but there's just not enough people running around the bases now. And so anything that baseball can do to create more action, I am in favor of. So I'm good with that. And I don't see anything wrong with the larger bases. I've all always thought of all the stuff they were trying, that would be the biggest lock to actually happen. And it's the one the players voted for. It's going to be safer. And when you combine larger bases, a little shorter distance between bases, and these rules saying the pitcher can only throw a pickoff move or step off twice, it, base, base stealing is going to explode and that's going to be entertaining. So 
all of it is going to make the game more entertaining. I'm in. Yeah, me too. And, and I miss the speed. You know, look, for me as a fan, because it's always like, you know, are, are you the fan who likes two to one? Are you the fan that wants a lot of offense? You know, it's different machinations of a baseball fan, right? And we all have a psychosis, so that changes in itself anyway. But, like, for me, I've always watched athletic plays. I'll watch a guy run out a triple on a highlight or make a diving catch in the outfield or steal a base more than I watch a home run. Because, okay, it's, it's great, but, like, I, I've seen that before, right? The element of steel, how much do people underrate? Because I think even some diehard baseball fans who love their own team, they don't realize, okay, when the bases are going to be this much bigger, well, that's nothing, right? You're not shortening the distance much. It's so minute when you're trying to run everything from the timing, right, of the, of the pitcher to the plate, of how much you have. Do you think people are underrating and maybe need to see this in effect? Because I'm with you. It's going to be a huge change to understand that even that small amount of a few inches is going to change everything in terms of stolen bases. Yeah, the distance from first base to second base is now going to be four and a half inches shorter. And somebody did the research on this and determined that in and of itself is not going to make a big difference. But remember, we're combining it with other rules. Correct. Um, the fact that the pitcher can only throw over or step off or disengage the rubber uh, two times. And now the base runner can take as big a lead as he wants. And if a guy throws over, just take off. Um, the impact of that on base stealing in the minor leagues has been incredible, Casey. The In minor leagues, the average team attempts to steal 2.8 bases a game. So almost three a game. That's amazing. Not, yeah. We haven't seen this, this level of base stealing attempts in the big leagues in over a hundred years. Now that's, that's not going to happen in the big leagues, but uh, it is going to be entertaining. And then I also just want to want you to think about the drama of, we'll pick anybody. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. is on first. And that pitcher is just thrown over twice. I can't wait to see what happens next. Everyone's watching the plate. Everyone's just going to be watching first base because you know he's gone. <laughs> I mean, it's, I it's going to be amazing. It's, yeah, it's an element of intrigue in addition to the extra action. So no downside to that, I don't think. I understand why some players are against it. We had Whit Merrifield on our podcast, and he really takes pride in mastering the science of base stealing. And now it feels like, well, anybody can do it now. It's not going to help me. I can already steal a base. But um, so I understand the way he, somebody like him would look at it. But in terms of what it could mean for the sport, all these great athletes who now don't get to show off what great athletes they are, that's going to change. So like, I can't, like, I didn't get a vote. But I vote yes. Oh, yeah. I'm all I, I'm all in across the board. Now, it brings a lot of questions, and some of them I think we understood. Uh, when I saw your latest piece, I, I was like, wait a minute, what? So, like, when I think of, like, the part that – and I don't even know where – I'm trying not to start in well, the middle. Well, we I better explain questions. what this is, Yeah, right? Yeah, let's go back to the beginning because th the fact of, like, the leeway that's going to be given is the part that, like, I can't even understand that you got to wrap my head around in terms of – where we are. How did you get tipped off even to the the thought that the situation on where we are with infield dirt and how differently it's handled was even a thing? Like, how did you hear about that? Okay, well, uh, you know, this, back in spring training, 
I wrote a story about how in the minor leagues, they were actually going to move second base. Okay. So I just, a uh, an instructor told me this one day on the field, I got so excited. So I decided I'd write about that. And I, I asked somebody who I thought would know the simple question. All right. Well, how many feet, inches, whatever it is from the back of the infield dirt will second base now be located compared to where it's been in the past. Right. And he, he that was the first time anybody told me, Oh, well, you know, it's not the same in every park. And I thought, what? That can't be right. But I looked in the rule book and I could see that it wasn't a big deal. So I thought, well, that's kind of quirky. That's kind of fun. And I just didn't think about it anymore until last week, baseball announces these rules, these shift rules, where suddenly where the infielders can stand is determined by where the dirt is. And so a couple of people in the sport reached out to me. I, I don't know how I've become the clearinghouse for all this goofy stuff, but people know where to find me. Start, they reached out to me to say, this is right up your alley because you realize these dirt infields are not all the same. And you know, it's the craziest thing. I really had hardly thought about it. I don't know how many thousands of baseball games that I've watched. I don't know how many baseball fields that I watched them in. But this is something that when I heard it and I started to think about it, I'm like you. I said, what? <laughs> the infield <laughs> is different in every ballpark in baseball? We, you must be I making I had no that idea. Up. No idea. It's incredible to people who didn't know. Um, I was talking to a, a, I guess I better call him a high-ranking executive from one team this week, and I mentioned it to him, and he said, I had no idea. Nobody He's, knows. Right. So there's apparently just judging from the feedback I've gotten, like some of the infielders knew. Um, but because there's a rule that says how deep the infield dirt is supposed to extend, and it's a rule that nobody ever cared about enforcing, that has to change because it yes. matters. Because where the fielders can stand under the new rules is determined by where the dirt is. So it took quite a while to get people to explain to me what they're doing. Here's the deal. The rule says the edge of the outfield dirt, the outer edge, is supposed to be 95 feet from the center of the mound. But that is not what baseball is going to enforce. They're going to allow a foot of leeway either way. So it can be 96 feet or 94 feet. <laughs> they would consider both of those to be within the rules uh, based on what I was told was potential for groundskeeper error. When I told a guy in one front office that, he laughed so loud and he said, if we're allowed to err, why do I think we're all going to err on the side of I'm making it here. Of course. <laughs> so it it's like, this was, it was so interesting and so much fun to work on this story and write this story. And like I keep saying, it was a dirty job, but somebody had to do it. Do, do you, uh, again, and that's where I, I wanted to almost start right where you just were, because the part that I could not understand is the leeway that is now I get it to this point as much as I didn't know. Okay. Cause this is a league full of, as you and I both know the way it's been is the way it's been. 
right? So that's just how we are, right? <laughs> like I go back to the, the the checking of the gloves and all the things that we're doing now and where it was before. It's like everybody kind of knew what was happening and, and it was like a checks and balances. Everybody kind of handled with each other themselves down in the field. Knowing what we know now and how much teams are always going to take advantage of whatever, however they can, especially in this era, that's got to change, right? Like that can't, like I, I, I'm, I know I'm going back to something you already answered where that's going to be the case. That can't stay that way though, the, right? We, the leeway thing? Yeah. Look, when I reported this story, that was kind of my attitude that this seems like it should be the same. Yes. Not, that, not two feet Regulated. of difference. Yes. And I got pushback on that saying, you know, we never even enforced the rule before. So it's going to be, it's going to be enforced. It's going to be checked. Um, we're not going to let anybody have their dirt extend 98 feet or 198 feet. It's going to be the closest to the rule book language it's ever been. It's really on a percentage basis. It's a very small amount, blah, blah, blah. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I mean, I, don't I get I'm it. That. I don't know if I'm feeling that. That's where we're at right now. Um, I, I would think this is going to be a topic like at the GM meetings or something. Yeah. Because the, the GMs that I told about this, they were scratching their heads too, just like us. It doesn't make any sense to me, but it's it's fascinating because it, in in all of the layers of baseball, to have something like that that <laughs> is right in front of you every day, like it's right, it's not hidden, it's not some behind the scenes or in an office, it's right there in front of you, and no one knew. Like I, it, I, I, it's, it's it hilarious. was amazing to me when I read that. Article, like we I think we pay attention. We yeah, I had no because because <laughs> who would you know? I think part of it is Jason. Like who would think that would be allowed? Like that you could have different. Like you know, right. we should have we should have known in baseball, of course. And you know the way it is. Also learned there's no rule at all about the inner edge of the dirt. So like somebody told me, you know, Fenway is way the infield dirt is way closer to the plate. In some of these other fields, I'd I'd have to take a look. You I think about think those cut, think about the dirt cutouts around the bases, how different they are. That's just a work of art for these grounds crews. Yeah, <laughs> this stuff, this stuff seems like it should matter, but baseball is the best. It's keeping it, me in business. It always, it always gives you something. Speaking of uh, the best and keeping us in business and being interesting, I was saying this to you right before we came on. I was like, I, I have to. Toss in there a question and ask you about the Joey Votto conversation. So for me, and anybody who hasn't heard it, please and go into Jason's Twitter and go listen or go to Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get podcasts and go listen to it. This is, I said this beforehand to you, he's like Will Hunting to me. Like, that's how, I, honestly, that's how I see him. Like, it's like he's like somewhere at a chalkboard, like throwing up algorithms as a human that we don't have. The way he speaks. And how much intent there is in what he's discussing, no matter what it is. A, how much did you enjoy that conversation? B, in all the players, and you've covered thousands upon thousands, is he like in a category of his own in terms of unique nature of the type of person that that, that man is? Yeah, he totally is. Now, you know, I every locker room I've ever walked into, I've always asked who's the funniest guy in the room. Who's the smartest guy in the room. Who's the most thoughtful guy in the room. I would always need to know who those players are. And I try to befriend them and gravitate toward talking to them. Hey, my co-host on Starkville, Doug Glanville is one of those people who just could randomly drop stuff like time space continuum in an ordinary sentence, you know, but uh, Joey thinks 
at a level unlike any player that I've ever known. And I, you know, I just tweeted about this, but we asked him a question about all these players on their iPads in the dugout. It's kind of an interesting topic, but I never would have imagined that he would start his answer with, it's, it's like going to a dance club. What? <laughs> okay. And here's, here's what he means. He said, all right, you take dancing lessons. And now you think you're a pretty good dancer. And, you know, you, 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 now you go to the salsa club and, you know, you're, you're more interested in watching like the videos and the YouTubes than you are in actually dancing because, and you become disconnected from the rhythm in the club. And that's like baseball because baseball games have a rhythm that you need to pay attention to. And then he talked about facing the, 2011 Phillies with the incredible staff of Halliday and Cliff Lee and Hamels, all those guys, and how they would all sit there every night locked in on the game and everything that happened in the game because they would learn something from watching human beings. And like this is how he got through the thought process of an answer to a question about iPads. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, it, it's it really is. Wow. Like when he was in the booth for the games with the Reds and they like it just the conversation. I can't even imagine what first base is like. I wouldn't want to leave. Like if I'm sitting there, I just get a single. I don't want like I hope you <laughs> delay the play. It's amazing. Um, the MVP. So the awards in general debate is great for any sport. And when there's no definition is where in lies, we always have a problem. How does the Hall of Fame handle steroid users, et cetera? The MVP, the way I grew up knowing it, was always the following. The most valuable player on a winning team. That's the way I thought of it, right? And if it's not going to be on a winning team, it has to be like, for example, a situation where a pitcher would win an MVP, where there's no other you know, MVP candidate that's at a high level on a winning team that's there. Or if you want to give me a rods one year in Texas, there's some other year that's so unbelievable that, that it, it is, is trumping that right. Shoei Otani is going to be in a unicorn status every year he plays. What he has done is otherworldly. It's literally, it's not, it's a shame. He's on the angels who are not a good team and that it's not really Los Angeles, right? It's on the <laughs> five freeway in Anaheim. Let's be honest. Okay. How, how should the league approach this? Is this giving us a reason to, as I've always felt, and the NHL does it this way, maybe split the awards, do an outstanding player of the year, a player of the year award, and an MVP, so that in a situation like this, both could be recognized? How do you look at this overall right now? You know, the league would say there is a separate award, the Hank Aaron Award, but that wouldn't, even that wouldn't account for somebody like no. Otani. No. Uh, and, you know, the, I think that the Baseball Writers Association likes the fact that the definition is murky because it creates debate and it creates interest in the award. And, okay, I've voted many times. I agree. It's hard. <laughs> it's fun, but it's it's hard. It's yeah. hard to, to define. And, you know, when I look at this one, wow, because I, I'm not sure – that you or I have ever lived on planet earth where Aaron judge doing what he's doing was not the MVP. 
and you start going through the case, uh, he's, he's going to break that record, uh, the home run record, the, at least the American League record. Uh, he's His OPS plus is 208. That's Ruth, Bonds, Williams, Cobb, Mantle type territory. No active player has ever had one of those. Okay. Um, he's had an unbelievable second half where he's slugging 200 points higher than anybody, where he has an OPS in the 1300s, 300 points higher than anybody. And then there's the idea that if he hadn't had this year and this second half, his team literally would That's not right. be in first place. That's correct. And right, it might be in the midst of one of the, the most historic collapses in Ever. the history of this sport. So when has a player who had that season not been the MVP? Never. Never. And he's right? on the Yankees. And he's on the and he's Yankees. On the Yankees. And he's on the Yankees. <laughs> right. So the well, answer let's is be fair. That's never. a thing too. And he's okay. on the Yankees. Right. Okay. But then there's Otani. I think this all the time. I cannot believe he's a real person. No. Uh, he's. It's still not impossible. He could lead the league in double-figure strikeout games and triples. Seriously? And hit, it, and hit, he hit nearly 40, 40 homers. Yeah. Drive over 100. I mean, he, it's amazing. He, all right. He, as a hitter, he's got a better OPS plus than Matt Olson, Mookie, Julio Rodriguez. These are MVP candidates. Okay. As a pitcher, I, I wrote about this a week or so ago. He has a better ERA and strikeout rate this year than Robbie Ray la had last year when he won, he won, when the, he won the, Cy the Cy Young That's correct. in the American That's right. League. Okay. So he's, he's doing these things and he is one person who lives on the same planet that we live on. And I, you know, I remember asking myself last year, what you just said. If he's the MVP this year, does that mean he has to be the MVP every year? Every year. Yes. And my reaction was no, no. But he was the unanimous MVP last year. He's been a way better pitcher this year, and he's been a better hitter than Mookie. <laughs> okay. So I don't know what the answer is. Me I, I think Judge is going to win. Like most of the time, I think that's the right answer. But I've, I've never had to come to grips with anything like this. You've never have. No. I, I'm not a voter for this award, so I can talk about it and write about it. But I am going to have to write a column about this really soon. And I don't know. I yeah, just I don't know, know either, Jason. It's why I think about, like, maybe two different awards or there's, there's some way. And I've said, just real quickly on the Hank Aaron Award, I've always felt that for him and the name and what he carries in this game, it should be a more important award. It shouldn't be an award that's given when we're there at the playoffs before a game starts. And people kind of know about it, but they really don't know about it. There are a lot of baseball fans that they're like, what's the Hank Aaron Award just for an offensive player when he was much more important? Like for me, I'd love to have that elevated and have it be, you know, player of the year of some sort. But then then you're into, OK, well, then who is that? Like, is that judge or is that Otani? <laughs> yeah, you know, I if, don't know. If, if you had an Otani award. That's for, what I'm saying. For, uh, you know, people who do who do both things yeah. at this level. Yeah. That, yeah. That'd be convenient. But like that's him and Bo Jackson happen. and like, I don't know like, who else. I, I, I mean, guarantee you he'd win that, that award every year. Yeah, I, it is. It is pretty crazy. Uh, a couple more for you. I, I want to. When you think about Albert Pujols and what he's doing, and I talked to Matt Holiday about this two days ago, and 
he said that there was a different compete level about Albert than anybody else he'd ever seen and a confidence level that was just higher than anybody else in terms of understanding what he had to do in a big spot and knowing how to do it. We've seen it, right? How surprised are you after watching the Angels run at the end with him? All the plantar fasciitis, all the injuries over the years, the age, the lack of hitting righties. Was he going to find a role? to sit here now two years later and, and find him three away from 700, even in a world of baseball that you've covered. And, and as much as anybody pinpointed and highlighted the craziness of the crazy that we get, how crazy is it from two years ago where we stood with Albert to where we are now? Two years ago. How about two months ago? No, it's fair. You know, when he, when he got to <laughs> the enough. all-star fair game, fair enough, you know, he, he wasn't as a this player. And you know, what the Cardinals have told me is that he was so energized by the home run derby and the way people across the sport treated him at the all-star game that it created this burst of energy, adrenaline focus, you know, that has allowed this to happen. But I don't know how that explains it. You know, the plantar fasciitis, it, he, he really had no foundation to his swing that allowed him to be the hitter that he'd been for all those years. And uh, when you get to his age, that doesn't usually get better, (laughs) you know? And so his willingness to accept that role with the Dodgers and then this year with the Cardinals, where he was going to face left-handers and he was really good at that. And that would limit his workload and limited exposure to pitchers that he wasn't handling. That made sense. And he was doing that well. But now he's playing against right-handers in addition to having a higher slugging percentage against left-handers than Aaron Judge. <laughs> and I I honestly cannot explain this, that he's slugging 800 since the All-Star game. 800. Um I don't know that we've seen anybody ever finish this way. Big Poppy is in the argument. Uh, he had a great grand finale. Uh, you look back on Barry Bonds last year, he really had a, a hell of a year, but he didn't retire. They retired him. <laughs> That's right. Enough. Um, but Albert, he he started out on this nostalgic farewell tour. And it was a beautiful thing, but it's morphed into something so much more than that. His team needs him. His team is feeding off him. His team has been one of the best teams in baseball since he, he got into this role that he's on. And they need him. He needs them. It's something to see. And then five years from now, he and Yachty are going to go into Cooperstown on the same day. Which is amazing. So we're just, we're leading. We're try to write a better final chapter oh. to anybody's script than this. And we're going to get him in October, which is, is brilliant, which we're not thinking about now because we're chasing 700, but that's going to be fun too. Jason, appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for this time. I, I so, as you know, admire and enjoy your work. And I'm so happy that we got a chance to catch up, man. Thank you.
Casey, back at you. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Be well, okay? Appreciate you, buddy. There he is, Jason Stark. You can follow us on the Unfiltered Revolution at Casey Stern. Jump in everywhere you get your podcast, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.